Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Isn't it true that people love speaking about the things they're passionate of? You don't need to ask them to speak about it. I mean, let me give you a few examples. Any CrossFit fans in the house? Anybody knows a CrossFit guy somewhere? Have you ever met a CrossFit person? CrossFit people are people that do the following. You know, there's a few memes of them. You saw, you saw the one here at the back. Accidentally asked a CrossFit person about CrossFit. I lost 45 minutes of my life because they couldn't stop speaking about CrossFit. It's like Fight Club. Anybody ever watched Fight Club in their life? Okay, there's only two rules to Fight Club. You don't tell anybody about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club, you don't tell anybody about Fight Club. Now the reality is CrossFit, exactly the opposite. First rule of CrossFit is you tell everybody about CrossFit. Second rule of CrossFit is you tell everybody about CrossFit, okay? So that's kind of the picture when it comes to that. Or maybe, have you ever met people, they call themselves vegans, and they only eat vegetables. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Okay, anybody ever met a vegan before? Okay. I'm not name bashing, I'm just saying these guys are very passionate about the spaces they are and I just Googled some memes about people that's very, very passionate about the areas of their life. If we can make it maybe even a little bit more local for a Bloemfontein to understand, how do you know a guy was in grey? Yes, exactly. He tells you, stands up. I'm a great boyki. I'm passionate about it, okay? So we love talking about the things that we find passion for and that we're in love with in our life. And you don't need to stop or ask us to get going. We just go and we talk about it. However, when it comes to the topic of evangelism and speaking about Jesus for some other reason, for many Christians, it is a very challenging thing to do. If I'm passionate about the one that changed my life, what does it look like when I need to tell them about it? So this little word evangelism, just giving you guys a little bit of background on it. Evangelism is the word that means you are telling good news. It's someone that brings good news, but not any kind of good news, the kind of good news that changes your life. So to put it in context, a little bit of history, because I don't think we really know what this word means. I think it's been totally blown away and corrupted in a sense by our modern day religious world. It's actually a term, by the way, that's connected to governing bodies. So within, within the Roman Empire and Greek Empire, you had evangelists. And let me tell you the story that you can understand how this works. And it's the story of Caesar Augustus. That's actually the way he looked. You can actually go and Google. I didn't put it in here because I realized I would not have any ladies' attention if I showed you a picture of how he actually looked because they had like these, he's a handsome guy. Let me just say that, okay? Anyways, so the story of Caesar Augustus starts off the moment, probably one of the most famous Romans ever to live, who never became Caesar, died. That's Mr. Julius Caesar himself. So he never officially became a Roman emperor. However, the day that he died, civil war broke out over all of the Roman Empire. And at that moment, two guys went into an alliance, Mark Anthony and Octavian. Now, Mark Anthony was a very good friend of Caesar, Julius Caesar, and Octavian was his son. 
and they aligned together and for 13 years, quite, quite some time, they were fighting first. They were fighting against the guys that killed Caesar, Julius Caesar. And then after that, that alliance broke down and they started fighting against one another. And then on the 2nd of November, AD 31, oh, BC 31, so 31 years before Jesus, there was an epic battle. It was a sea battle. So all the guys that loves the movies, see that picture, okay? And it was between Octavian and one of his good friends, now turned enemy, Mr. Mark Anthony. And at the end of that battle, guess who won? The guy that would become Caesar Augustus, aka Mr. Octavian himself. And after that moment, two things happened in the Roman Empire. Firstly, after he won the battle, Mr. Mark Anthony ran for his life to the love of his life in Egypt, that beautiful lady called Cleopatra. That's where he went to go and stay. True story, guys, all the way through, true story. And then Mr. Octavian himself got his guys together and sent them out. They were called evangelists to all the different spaces in the Roman Empire to go and share the good news that Octavian has won and now everything will change. This is the gospel of Caesar Augustus. He is the new Lord and emperor of your life. So that's the picture of the evangelists. They went out to go and share the good news. Now, just quickly, a ramification moment. If they would arrive at your house, However, you were a big Mark Anthony fan, like our good brother, Mr. Herod, King Herod himself, the king that tried to kill Jesus when he was a young boy. He was a Mark Anthony guy. He was publicly stating that he's in support of Mark Anthony and he wanted him to be the next Caesar of the Roman Empire. And now he receives the good news. <laughs> you guys get what I'm saying. So he realized I'm standing before a life-altering decision. I need to make a decision right now because the guy that I supported is not the true king. He does not have all the authority. And if I'm going to continue down that road, I'm going to get into big trouble. So he exercised his political skill. We actually have this in writing where he wrote Mr. Octavian a letter saying, Octavian, you know that I was a loyal supporter of Mark Anthony. Please do not consider my loyalty towards him. Consider my loyalty. I can be loyal to you as well. Now that's skillful politician work, guys. Do you see that happening? Okay, so that's the first reality of an evangelist. They come and people get confronted with a new reality and a choice. The second thing is your whole life changes the moment this happened. And here's the reason why. I don't know if you guys even know this, but the moment a Roman Caesar would be crowned as emperor of the Roman Empire, the day of his crowning would become, they called it, the Lord's Day. And then that day, in the week, no matter what day it was, so the previous Caesar was on a Monday, this Caesar is on a Wednesday. Then Wednesday becomes public holiday every week. Everybody stop, they think around their lives, they rearrange their whole week program around this one guy because he's the new ruler of the Roman Empire. He is Lord Caesar. Emperor worship is what they call it. That's the direction that they went into. 
Now guys, can you see how powerful Christianity is in those days when they decided to make Sunday the Lord's day? Because they were publicly proclaiming that Caesar is not my Lord. And they were rearranging their whole lives. The whole reality was rearranged around this new good news truth. And why am I telling you the story? Well, I'm telling you the story so that you can realize an evangelist is not just sharing good news like, hey, dude, you got through in maths. Well done. Cool. That's not the good news. This is a life-altering, life-changing, reality-defining piece of good news. And it's for everyone. And that's the picture of an evangelist. However, for some other reason, we still struggle to share this in our day and age. And in order to understand this a little bit better, I want to unpack it a little bit with you guys. So there's three things that we're going to do. We're going to look at how not to evangelize in today's world. Secondly, we're going to look at different ways you and I can evangelize. How can we share the good news? And then lastly, I want to redefine the win when it comes to sharing the good news with you guys today, that you can be empowered. So we're going to get a little bit practical today. I hope you're ready for that. You can make some notes as well and get some good tools to really share this life-altering gospel news. And it's just going around this whole religious Christianese kind of overusing truths. And the person is like, what are you even saying? saying, my name's not even Brian. Where are you going from? Where are you coming from? Okay, so that's how not to share the good news, okay? So here is how to. So here are different ways. Maybe you thought about evangelism in the following way, because you grew up in church. I had that picture. You had to be able to preach like the pastor. So evangelism is preaching basically, and you have to have all the answers to all the questions out there. Anybody can relate to my experience here. And therefore, I'm afraid to tell anyone of any Thing. Or maybe on the other side, you didn't grow up in church and you saw these weird guys coming over and asking weird questions like you just saw there. And like, I don't know how, this is just awkward. How am I even going to tell anybody? It's this random conversation just starts out of somewhere. Now, I'm not saying God might not use a moment like that in your life, but that's not the classic picture of sharing the good news of Jesus with people. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to show you guys six different ways of sharing the good news with the world around you. And maybe you can identify with one of them. Maybe it's a space that you're like, yeah, I'm really doing well with this one. This is something that I find very natural in terms of sharing my passion that I have for Jesus with other people. So maybe that will take off the blinder of I can't share the good news or I'm not an evangelist because God made every single person in this room an evangelist and telling the world about his good news. So number one is truth telling. So that's when we share the truth. And for the people doing this, just by the way, when you want to share the truth, some people are really passionate at standing up for the truth. It is true. I know a few guys. I can call them by name. I won't because they're sitting in this room, so I'll just keep it quiet now. But the reality is, is there are some people that love sharing the truth with others. In our modern day context, the place where this usually happens is on a Sunday at church where we talk about the truth of who Jesus is. Um, just one little key when it comes to this, we always share the truth and we share it in, in love. So truth without love is brutality and it breaks people down. And there are people that's doing the truth-telling thing, but there's no love in it. Um, and truth would be, I'm sharing the conversation and having the conversation with you that will save your life. 
really, and I love you enough to share the truth with you. An example of this is Acts chapter 2, where Peter's sermon challenges the Israelites to just kill Jesus, to repent and turn around, telling them the truth. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. God has made this Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So that's one way in sharing the good news, just telling the truth that Jesus is the Messiah and he came to save everybody. Number two, reasoning. Maybe you like this one. Um, an area that we've really been using in terms of reasoning is alpha, where people that have questions about God and how life works and they still want to reason stuff out, want to discover that and they go through that process. Now, just a quick little note. If reasoning is one of the areas that you love telling the gospel through, it's always about winning the person, never about winning the argument. The heart behind this is to keep the conversation going and help people to figure out how life is really going and get Jesus' perspective in that conversation. An example of this is Paul in Athens, Acts chapter 17. Paul was reasoning in the synagogues with the Jews and God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. So he went out and he reasoned with guys regarding their view of life and who God is. Then some of the guys rejected, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And later, some of the people even became followers. So sometimes people just need to know a little bit more stuff to understand how life works and hear Jesus' view on that. Number three, most of us have known this very well and probably you've been told to do it like that, but it is storytelling. Just sharing the story of what God did in your life. What's your good news? What was your encounter with Jesus and sharing that with someone else? With this, if I can give any guidance, please just share the story. You don't have to blow it up and make it more nice and like try and create some sensation and I was in this tough space and, 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 and make it deeper and hard. Just share your story and allow the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. An example of this, I love this one, is John chapter nine, the blind man, listen to him. He's like, one thing I do know, like they questioning him about Jesus and where he's in, like, I don't know, but one thing I know, let me tell you something. So that's the reasoning guy coming and saying, listen, what, 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 it's like, I don't know all that stuff, but let me tell you the one thing that I do know. I know that I was blind, but now I see. And basically the only thing happening in between is Jesus. That's my story. That changed me. It's so powerful. Like I already told you, don't you guys want to hear or listen to this? I'll never forget the day that I had to um, communicate like this or share my own story. It was my um, lecturer at university and he was a very smart guy and he was a self-proclaimed atheist and he made it his mission in his classroom to bash any form of Christianity. Not religion, but Christianity specifically. So the one day he sorted me out and the fact that I followed Jesus and like, why are you doing this? You know, he doesn't even exist. You know, he went to France and I don't know, whatever. So he went in on the whole theory of Jesus and, and um, the, oh, what's that? The Da Vinci Code move and all that thing. And I said to him, listen, what I have, I can't, reasoned out with but I can tell you I know him personally he moved in my life and I started sharing a bit of my own life story with him so that was a moment where I could share my experience number four is friendship it's another way of sharing the good news 
walking a road with someone, being a friend to someone. Now, I believe this is most likely and most probably the most effective way of sharing the good news in today's age. And the reason why I say it is because we live in the information age. Everybody has access to the world's amount of information. However, friendship crosses that boundary. I don't know if you know the saying that's, that says the following, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's friendship. Friendship opens up opportunities of trust in relationships that you have that people will actually listen and hear. Why are you so loving? Why are you so caring? Why do you go so far to love me in the way that you do? Number five is invitational. That's the fifth way of sharing the good news is by inviting someone. You guys are doing it most of the time when you're coming to church. You invite someone to come and hear the truth. You invite them to a cherished event like yesterday. Just by the way, ladies, well done. I heard very good news. It was amazing. Super proud of my, my, my wife doing that as well and running the whole thing. But that's a space that we invite people to. Or Alpha Course. If you've ever been in an Alpha Course, what's amazing is there are three methods combined in Alpha. There's reasoning, there's fellowship and friendship because we're having a chat afterwards and it's invitational. So you can just bring someone over to meet and hear more about Jesus and what he has to say. And then lastly, oh sorry, an example of that in the Bible for you guys is the woman at the well. She meets Jesus and then she goes out and she says, come and see. I invite you, come and check out. Come and see the man who changed my life. That's invitational. And then lastly, number six is serving. Service, serving the people around you. You know, for some people, they are more likely to listen when you have a bread in your hand than when you have a Bible in your hand. Do you hear what I'm saying? I can see the heads going like this. <laughs> That's the service, guys. Okay, so examples of this is street store. That's the way we share the gospel. We practically act it out. We build in time for fellowship and storytelling and connecting with people. It's all about getting the good news out there, but firstly meeting people on their very practical need. I mean, pop-up currently is one of the environments in Doxadeo. If we take the national pop-up um, statistics, it's the environment we have the most salvations in, more than any other Doxadeo environment. So pop-up has more salvations than Sunday church. Do you hear what I'm saying, guys? And it's because people are sharing the good news in a very relevant and tangible way within this nation. This nation has a big question regarding that. Guys, we need to help and reach out. A good example of this is in Acts chapter 9, where Dorcas, that's, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly here, where Dorcas, a person that was always doing good and helping the poor, went with his doing good so far that this became known all over Joppa and many people believed in Jesus because he was so generous and he reached out and he served people. So that's another way of sharing the good news. There we have it, all six. Go next one. Now, I want you to look at those. Quickly ask yourself, can you identify with any of those? Is there a moment that you've shared the good news in any of these six ways with someone next to you? Moment where you had to tell the truth. You had to tell it in love. Moments where you had to share your own story. 
Moments where you had to reason with someone through it. Maybe one or two of these stand out and you feel like, I can really do this, Lorraine. I can go out and tell the world about what Jesus did and how it changes everything for them. However, even this, I realize, leaves many Christians paralyzed because of one big thing. We need to redefine the win of evangelism. Quickly tell me, when you think about telling someone else about Jesus, what's the first thing that comes up in your mind? In terms of your expectation, when you share the good news with the person sitting next to you at work, we're all waiting, if we're honest, for that moment when you speak to them and they immediately, Jesus comes down, it's fire, the person is on their feet, and, oh, sorry, on their knees and they praying and it's tears and I'm giving my life to the Lord and now I have successfully evangelized my friend, correct? That's the win. Many times in evangelism, the win for us and the win especially in the religious environment is just to get the guy to agree with what you're saying and immediately pray and give their life to Jesus. However, guys, that's not the picture that we see Jesus doing in the Bible. I mean, he was walking with his disciples and some of his disciples at the day of his death when he was um, arrested, Peter was still denying Jesus. I mean, how, how does that look? You hear what I'm saying? So not everything is sorted out and he's still journeying and he's still discovering. It's only after Jesus' resurrection that he actually surrenders 100% to the reality that Jesus is Lord of all. So there's kind of a journey that we're going on. And what I'd like to do quickly is I'd like to show you guys, if we redefine evangelism, look at it in a different way, it might look like this. So if you imagine a scale from minus 10 to zero, and then from zero to 10. Let's use that as an example. You might find someone in your world where you live, where you work, where you're connected to a person, and you discover, hi, welcome, Pity. It's nice meeting you. Let's call our person Pity. And Pity does not know anything about God. So he doesn't even know there is a God. He's at minus 10. And God is entering Pity and putting him into your life to help you take a step from minus 10 to minus 9. Maybe there is a God. Maybe I might be wrong about this. And maybe that's all God wants you to do in Pity's life. That's the journey that you need to walk with him to help him discover a little bit more about the truth and the good news. It's almost like in that moment when Octavian won the battle and rumors started going through the empire. And everybody's like, did you hear it? Did you hear it? Ah, oh, I can't believe it. No, no. And then finally an evangelist comes over and says, I was there. I saw. It's true. He did win. And he's confirming something that he's been rumored about in his world. That's kind of the picture, moving them just one little step. Maybe you're the person moving someone from maybe there is a God to this God is Jesus. Maybe you're the person moving them from, okay, Jesus is God and you may be getting them interested in Christianity. Well, don't you want to know a little bit more? Maybe it's the basic facts of the gospel. Maybe you're moving them to grasp some of the implications of this reality and this truth. Maybe you're discovering a positive attitude. Maybe it's a personal need that you're opening up and saying, guys, you've been struggling with this. Jesus is the only one that can answer it. And they start considering, making a decision. Maybe 
they need to make a decision to act. And maybe you're that person that's getting the opportunity where that person prays and does say, Jesus, I follow you. I surrender to you as Lord of my life. And at that moment, a disciple is born. That's the journey of an evangelist. And then after that, and the reason why I'm putting it up here is then we start discipling the people around us. You can quickly put that next slide, slide up. Evaluating decisions. You can take a photo of that if you'd like to, but it's kind of like a journey of a discipling person, discipling someone into maturity and taking responsibility as they follow Jesus. Now, the reality is, as many times when we think about Christianity and followers of Jesus, they only think the discipleship diagram. We don't see something of that one every single step moment journey with people that might not yet know him. I really hope that this opens up more boldness for you as you're sitting here to take people from a minus 10 to a minus nine. And I really hope all of the fears with regards to, we all need to get the try. Everybody, the moment I spoke, he needs to give his life to Jesus now. Otherwise I'm a failure in my evangelism journey. I hope that is now gone. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to end off with this, a little story. And you know, Abel says it like this, and I believe Brent will say amen when I say the following. A good sermon is never a good sermon if you haven't told a rugby story. So there you go. <laughs> and the reason why I want to give you guys a rugby story is because evangelism is a lot like rugby. It's not a solo sport. It's a team sport. It's the whole body that God is engaging and asking to go out. Everyone in this room, God has gifted you to play a specific role in someone's journey of discovering the good news and ultimately making a decision to surrender to the one who is good, Jesus himself. And sometimes God has blessed you to win the line out in that person's life. Other times he's calling you to open up the gap. You're like, like, look on your arm. That's like brilliant with that, okay? Other times, he's called you to be the Cheslin Colby. <laughs> Gonna run. And then finally, you become the Mopimpi and you score the very first try in Rugby World Cup final history in South African history, okay? And there you go for it. And it's like, wow! But not everybody is called to be the try scorer or being used in that moment in that person's life to get them to make the decision to follow Jesus. You might just be the person that helps them just win the line out, create the gap, run with the ball. <laughs> you guys get what I'm saying. And with that being said, I want to leave us with a challenge today. When you think about being an evangelist that God has called you, sharing the good news with others. So I want to use that word, that phrase rather. When you think about sharing the good news with other people, What's the role God has given you specifically to play in people's lives around you now? I want to give you that opportunity to think about this for a moment. What's the next step to a friend that you might have? And how can you take that next step? I want to put out a challenge. Who knows what's happening on the 24th of September? It is national Breidach. Yeah, I, I thought I'm going to hear this from the guys. It's Breidach. Guys, just 
correction. It's actually Heritage Day. But we call that National Bride Day, okay? And this is a keen opportunity for people in this environment, for you, I'm just putting it out there as a challenge, to invite a friend, someone that maybe not yet knows Jesus. Please do not invite a church friend. Don't speak Christianese. Just invite a friend, someone, and be a friend to them. That's it. Just build relationship and show him that Jesus loves him, that he's pursuing him right there where he is in his life. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege. Thank you for sending someone, the ultimate evangelist, Jesus, to come and share the good news that God does not hate you, God is not against you. God is not disappointed with you, but He loves you and He is for you. And Father, I come and pray as we're listening to some of these practical things and practical stories and stuff that's happening. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would wake up in our hearts faith and a love for those that are around us. Give us clarity in helping somebody move from a minus 10 to a minus 9 maybe. Thank you that you are the ultimate evangelist and you're the ultimate one sharing the good news. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services. 